1957, American filmmakers released an adaptation of the 1947 Italian film Fury, which itself was loosely based on Giovanni Verga's novella La Lupa. The film tells the story of an American rancher whose wife has passed away. Seeking to replace his deceased wife, he goes to Italy and, and brings back his wife's sister. The sister falls in love with the man's ranch hand, and much drama ensues. Though the film is largely forgotten, the movie's title track, written by Dmitry Tiomkin, or Tomkin maybe, and Ned Washington, and performed by Johnny Mathis, had a much bigger impact. The Johnny Mathis recording hit number 22 on the Billboard chart during its initial release, and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Song in 1958, ultimately losing out to All the Way by Jimmy Van Heusen and Sammy Kahn from the film The Joker is Wild. The song found new life two years later, when it was performed live by Nina Simone. Simone would go on to release a proper studio recording in 1966 on a compilation album bearing the song and movie's name. Simone's version stretched the two-and-a-half-minute single into a seven-minute masterpiece featuring sparse instrumentation and powerful vocals. Musician Cat Power, who covered the Nina Simone version in 2000, said, People talk about heroin like, oh, it's euphoria. No, you have so much pain. You do heroin, and you might be deluding yourself that you're in euphoria, but you are in pain. Listening to that Nina Simone song was like that. She was giving me euphoria for the pain her voice was reminding me that I shared. Simone's version of the song would go on to inspire many more versions from prominent singers, including David Bowie, who was inspired to record the song after meeting Nina Simone in 1975. Bowie's homage to Simone first appeared as the closing track on his 1976 album Station to Station and was later released as a single in 1981 where it hit number 24 on the UK billboards. That's right, this week on Cover Bowie, we're talking Dimitri Tomkin, Ned Washington, and Johnny Mathis, Wild as the Wind. Love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you. My love is like the wind. That's right. It's Cover Bowie, the only podcast that talks about famous Bowie-related songs and their many cover versions and compares them against each other to find out which one is life itself. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my wild co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex, just a little wild unhinged. today. Um, don't know what's going to happen next. Um, unpredictable. Like the wind. Unpredictable Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm doing, uh, That's good. Doing, uh, doing okay. How does it feel to be here once again, together alone in the studio? Um, it feels, it feels okay. It feels all right. It feels, uh... I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, you don't know where you're going with it? Um, I feel like maybe we should make Together Alone our catchphrase, since apparently it's never appeared in a David Bowie song. <laughs> or a, a Bob Dylan song. Or a Bob Dylan song. Um, and I'm sure no one's ever thought of it in any other context, either. Certainly not. So that's 100% us. That's, yeah. Put it on a t-shirt, baby. Put it on a can of beans. Together Alone beans. Um, Alex. It's the year of our Lord 2021. Sure is. We're, we're talking about another song that Bowie's covered. Sure another are. one that you and I both thought was a Bowie original. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he digs into the some more obscure stuff, or at least more obscure stuff for us, you know, years and years later. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot Not of the time. Not to mention just, so. like, the, the album this is on, Station to Station, an album 
that I mean, he doesn't remember now on account of being dead, but in his life he didn't remember <laughs> on the count of a lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. Yeah, that's the story. Um, I'm a big fan of Station to Station, personally. Um, mm-hmm. And not just because I heard Golden Years in A Knight's Tale when I was younger, but that's part of it, probably. <laughs> Fucking weird choice. Golden Years. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, a wildly chaotic album from Station to Station itself, which is 10 minutes of insanity, to Golden Years, which was a song written for Elvis Presley, to ending with this song, which is a from a 1957 film that nobody fucking cares about because it's like because it's an old ass film that no one cares about (laughs) because there's a lot of old ass films no one cares about cares about but this one particularly like even the plot is like i don't know like weirdly like getting your wife's sister after your wife dies yeah i was reading the plot synopsis and it was like his wife died so he went to marry his wife's sister like is that a natural progression (laughs) yeah i'm like is that how it works well i guess i'll marry my wife's sister now this one's going back to the manufacturer when your car breaks down you're like i need a a new one like well we don't have the exact same model but this one's from a few years later yeah it it just seems insane to me it's an odd yeah I, i don't know but at least he has a hot ranch hand. Yeah, to hot ranch mix hand. Mix things up. Who's like a son to him if the plot synopsis is to be believed? Hmm. I just skimmed it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I go in depth, Alex. Some of us have to write the pre-show anecdote, you know. Yeah, some of us don't have uh, many responsibilities. Well, that is life in a nutshell. Yeah, so, like, in the context of what is a wild album, like, Wild is the Wind, which, I like, lyrically, I guess, looking at it, doesn't seem like a Bowie song, but given the era in which he covered it, like, that's, I think, part of why I believed it. it was like, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and it makes sense. There's kind of two, like, ballady songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, this, obviously, and then Word on a Wing, and really, it's a pretty short album. Mm-hmm. Like, it's longer songs. Um, most of them are like five, six minutes. Um, but the album itself is under 40 minutes and I don't know if I had a point with this, but I, uh, my point, I guess, is that I, I went into it been like questioning that cause I was thinking like the value is just not there. Whereas I paid money for this and I only got 38 minutes out of it or whatever, mm, but, uh, it ended tracks. up being, yeah, like one of my probably now i hate to say this because i always go back and forth on what my favorite david bowie album is but this is one of the ones that that sometimes is it yeah it's like it's in there and it's yeah i I think just because it is so like for lack of a better word wild there is a lot of like like bowie pushing things to the limits in strange ways on this yeah and it was kind of he started singing lower like experimenting with lower um register and his vocals back in diamond dogs and i really feel like this is where it like it like hits its stride right and uh has really cool sound that doesn't really like he doesn't sing like this again after this not Mm -hmm. for a whole album anyway yeah, and even, like, in terms of the instrumentals, like, I think it draws on a lot of, like, golden, like, 1950s eras and, like, film score ideas in it. And songs like Golden Years, even Word on a Wing, which is a very, like, 
like old style ballad. Yeah, did he he like I'm trying to remember there's a story. He was in the recording studio and he was talking with like some other old recording artist and I'm blanking on who it was and he wasn't going to put it on the album. They were like, "No, that's a good song. Put mm. that on the album." And I'm I'm totally blanking on the story. Dude, now, I don't know it, so I couldn't couldn't even help you here, Alex. Hmm. Well, I wish I had more information on that. Yeah, um, all I can say is I've always I've always liked the David Bowie version of the song. It's uh, it obviously draws a lot of inspiration from the Nina Simone version, but I think Absolutely. as we'll talk about later, I think it's quite powerful in its own right. And yeah, and they do take definitely different approaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, let's get into this because the lyrics on this are are easy as shit. Because uh, it is a film score song, it's very like here's what's going on in this movie, baby, love, and it's right. wild. Uh, I, I imagine these are written, apparently, Ned Washington, who's one part of the, the duo here who wrote this. Yeah, Ned the, Washington the was the lyricist. He also wrote a bunch of songs on Pinocchio. So, like, okay. this is old school, man. Yeah, it's old school. So, come to the lyrics here. Uh, love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you, for my love is like the wind, and wild is the wind. I mean... I don't know how much else you could get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> love love me because I love you and like we we should go away together and also love is chaotic. Yeah. But in in that wildness it's His love. passionate, it's yeah. large. Like, My love is like the wind. Blows things over and makes you cold, I guess. And you can I you got to guess escape with it cuz you can fly away on the wind. Yeah. It does a lot of things. Yeah, but it's your basic, like, escapism. Uh, oh, man, love's so crazy. Let's be in love concepts. Yeah. Being, like, together, but away from the rest of the world. Yeah. So then we come into the next half of that uh, stanza where he says, Give me more than one caress. Sort of math problem. Satisfy <laughs> this hungriness. Let the wind blow through your heart, for wild is the wind. Yes, and the wind is his love, so it's like, let my love into your heart. Yeah. And, you know, be stirred by it. Get, be wildly in love with me. And he also gets to talk about his hungriness, which mm-hmm. is always a fun, fun uh, metaphor for songs. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's Eddie Money, but 30 years prior. Yeah. It's a, it's a hunger. Um, and uh, he, he needs his love, because it's love, man. It's love. It's it's powerful, chaotic, like sort of primal love because the wind is involved. And as we all know, that's one of the four elements. That's right. And you, you can't stop the wind. You can't stop the wind. That famous uh, song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you touch me. I hear the sound of mandolins. Alex, are mandolins... I always imagine them to be Spanish in origin. Are they Italian? Um, I actually... <sighs> I feel like they're pretty widespread. I'm not totally sure. Just let's uh, look it know, up. Like dun, yeah, dun, like dun, the con- dun, like obviously the base concept here is I hear music. When when I when I, I'm with you, uh, developed mid 18th century from the mandolino. Um, it's in, in Europe, yeah. So oh, it's developed by ice cream. So yeah, the predecessors <laughs> of the mandolin are all Italian. So maybe because. Uh, and this is, you know, made for film, made specifically for the film Wild is the Wind. 
wherein an Italian woman is essentially abducted by an American rancher. Uh, the romance of Italy is being connected to that through this. I hear the sound of mandolins. Yeah, and like just generally, like I hear music because yeah, the the power of love makes you hear music, which is a trope that comes up in songs sometimes. Because mm-hmm. music is, I guess, a uh means you feel good, and you're like, it's like I know what it means, but my my words are failing me. <laughs> Well, yeah, you hear music, music typically is a, yeah. is a pleasure experience. Yeah, there's, there's positive things happening around me, so I'm imagining music. Yeah. You know, except with, with us, where we do it for fun work, we listen to music. Oh, yeah. And we're like, this is my job. <laughs> yeah. That you don't get paid for. That you don't get paid for. Except for in, in fulfillment. Fulfillment, Alex, that is the currency I deal in. Uh, you kiss me, and with the kiss, the world begins. Your spring to me, all things to me. Your life itself. Your life itself. Yeah, so that's kind of the same metaphor a uh, couple times. Like, yeah, they kiss the world. Like, it's, it's the beginning of the world. Nothing matters before that moment because mm-hmm. they're the most important thing. And also, your spring to me. Um, spring is again. You know, spring is, new is life. yeah a, a time of new life. Uh, often used in that way metaphorically and your life itself you've literally like started this life um and then like a leaf clings to the tree is kind of continuing on that where you've got i mean you're talking about spring which is often associated with new leaves on trees so it it all kind of ties in there's a lot of right related imagery here leaves and trees are yeah on that level a nature thing uh, which ties into life and spring yeah and then also they're you know you almost can't have one without the other yeah i mean i mean they do drop off in autumn but like they they are very like tied in their coexistence and in that same way this the narrator here wants to be that close with the person right plus going on with sort of the rest of the verse Mm-hmm. Uh, like a leaf clings to a tree, oh my darling, cling to me, for we're creatures of the wind, and wild is the wind, the wind, the wind. Uh, wild is my love for you. So it's going into, I mean, they're holding together, like uh, literally clinging, and a leaf clings to a tree, and when it's windy, the leaf has to hold on. Yeah. Metaphorically, you know. So they're they're a leaf in a tree, and the wind, which is sort of their passion, is blowing them around, but they can hold together and weather and said it, and it also storm. like it brings storm. life to the tree in the sense of movement right for we're creatures of the wind the tree until motion is there is just a still tree right and through photosynthesis that's right but that's not mentioned in the song they don't talk no about it's not not a big that. science song no not <laughs> yeah uh, mostly mostly poetic imagery about leaves in trees yeah and wind and also just clinging to each other, you know, is horniness, having your bodies close to one another. I think that's also... That's I mean, always... Talking, talking about kissing uh, and clinging. That's there. That's all there. You touch me is at the start. This is all, like, a very base level. This stance is about physical intimacy. Yes. And closeness. Uh, that's, and, that's the song. And wild times. Wild times. Yeah, that is the song. Um, uh, Suppose, like, the, the lyrics on Genius repeat that section, but I don't think that's in... The song, not the version I heard yeah, anyway. Yeah, the uh, like the two and a half minute original version. Yeah, but anyway, 
Not a big deal. Not a huge deal, but certainly a deal. We always like to point out when genius is less than its name implies. Yeah, so. because it is far too often, especially on this song. It is all over the place on this song. So there's like three oh, yeah. different versions I looked up. They're all a little different, right, and yeah. they're all a little wrong. So that's what we like to see on genius, baby. Um, with that, let's talk about all these noises. So this is the the Dimitri. Do you think it's how do you because he's Russian born? Yeah. So that last name is it Tomkin, just with an I thrown in there for kicks, or I I don't know what that sound is. I have to imagine that like it's been changed, put into our alphabet, like an yeah. English alphabet. Um, because I'm pretty sure Russia would use a different one, Cyrillic yeah, alphabet. I, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's meaningful, but they must have put the I in there for a reason. But I say this all the time about like, hey, we wrote this this non-English word using our alphabet, but you pronounce it this weird way. And it's like, why did you write it like that? We could have done right. anything you wanted to. Like, they're not, they're not going to bug them. Make it easy for us. Fucking linguists. <laughs> Fucking linguists. <laughs> or whoever does that. Anyway, that's my little rant on, yeah, on yeah. Uh, anglicization of, of words. If you're a linguist... Get at us in the in the, the Twitter comments. <laughs> Tweet at us. Please uh, do. But before you do that, listen to us talk about this instrumentation. So we open with, like, I mean, this sounds like 1957 film score music. It really does. Yeah, it's, like, lo-fi in that way and, like, kind of soft. Even though lo-fi is probably not even the right thing. But it's, like, old recording equipment. Yeah. And, yeah, it sounds like old Disney or something like that, where it's... Yeah. It's just yeah. got a different sound to it. I don't know exactly See, what that is. We start out, and yeah, you just get basically the high end of some strings, right? Yes, a lot of a lot of high end. I guess that is probably a good way to describe it. Yeah, and it's that... Da, 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 like, you're right. It does start out like a Disney cartoon. Like, we're going to pan down to fucking Bambi. <laughs> you're like, oh, look, he's yeah. sleeping in the bushes. It's Bambi? How old is Bambi? Bambi's pretty fucking old. I want to say 1930s. I could be wrong on that. I think that's Pinocchio. Bambi's 1942. 42? That's pretty fucking old. That's pretty fucking old. Um, anyway, yeah, this is newer. This is more recent than Bambi. Yeah. But yes, that, that kind of sound. And it's like strings and there's kind of like fluty sounds. And they do that like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And there's some yeah, voice they, too doing the yeah, actual. backup ooh, vocals doing this. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, so it's real like old film score core it, yeah and i would say I've, if this hasn't been used as a sample like in a hip-hop song I, that makes me sound like an ancient man a sample <laughs> in a hip-hop song but i'll stand by it i think this would slap if you put this in something and rapped over it those backup vocals in particular if you could isolate those which you can't because it's an old ass janky recording but eh, sometimes i've been impressed know. with the things people can do even without like a master track but yeah i think that would sound great and that's that's what I have to say about this opening, Alex. Yeah. Um, so once we get through that, I I don't recognize all the sounds, I don't think, here, but it might just be because it's old an old recording. Um, yeah. Like, there's a weird... Maybe, like, a violin or something. Sounds like a really echoey violin of some kind, but it's, yeah. like, glassy almost. So I don't know if that's just... Like, they put it in a weird room to make it sound like that. 
or what? Yeah, it has a quality to it. It's it's very like I mean, it's not a it's not like an accordion. Yeah, I don't. And think it's so. not a harmonica either. You're right. It must have just been like a weird room they put it in, or they built a glass violin with glass strings specifically for this song. Yeah, I don't know. I was looking some stuff up, but nothing quite matched, so I wasn't wasn't sure what it was. Mm. But it might just be old stuff sounding weird. Because it's yeah, old. it could just be a recording equipment thing. <laughs> um, um, you get this like kind of plotting bass. It's like a stand-up bass that just goes like, boom, 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 boom. Yes, doom. quite slow. Um, and this the the vocals come in. Um, yeah. Again, old school sounding. Like this reminds me of Roy Orbison, kind of like some of his more ballad yeah. stuff. Because it's just that um, style of singing. It's not like modern pop singing um i don't know exactly how it's different but i'm sure it's just like it's almost dreamy right it's very like let the wind it is yeah i think it's like early crooning yeah kind of thing uh where you would as i understand which really came about sort of with the invention of the loudspeaker and the ability for singers to um, sing more quietly and reach the back right. of the of the hall, performance oh, right, hall, so or whatever. Bump up the game. Yeah, so you, you wouldn't have to like get... either shout really loud to get to the back, or apparently use a megaphone, like not an electronic <laughs> megaphone, but like an actual right. cone that you'd sing into, which sounds hilarious and is it looks funny too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, then you could suddenly like sing delicately like this, which Man. this is you'd probably decades like. So I think the um that sort of technology came around in the thirties. That sounds about kind right. of ballparking because I'm pretty sure it was invented like in Germany. There's a story about the guy who invented it being really sad because it was used by the Nazis to like spread their message. Mm. He was like, "Well, that's not a great use for my technology." But anyway. That's the now, story he, I've always he, heard. He rests easy now, knowing that it's also used by like Limp Biscuit. He's like, yeah, he saw Limp Biscuit <laughs> somehow decades later after his death, and he was like, no, this is good. This is this, this is, is much good. better. It was, a, it was a long road to get there, but we got there. This was my dream. Uh, yes. So th- yeah, Limp Biscuit justifies uh, loudspeakers. Loudspeakers. So, what else is going on here? There's like a gentle rhythm guitar, too. Very slow as well, just kind of playing chords. It's all very gentle, considering, like, the topic of the song is about this chaos. Mm -hmm. It's sort of there. Sort of. this. I got more out of, like, a description of it I read, because I didn't really notice it. But the way he sings uh, doesn't fall in perfectly with the timing. Always, because right, apparently he's trying to like mimic a natural sense of speech. Yeah, the sort of like swell and, and like the wind, kind of mm. gusting. Um, but it's such a common thing to do now. I hardly even noticed it because it's not that. Like, yeah, it's just it's done. Not it's that been done thousands of times. So yeah. maybe it was novel in 1957, but not but yeah. so much anymore. Yeah, no. do you think part of the reason that this one is sort of like subdued is because it is literally like opening credits music? Yeah, it's a background song, 
really. Yeah. Like it's it's the soundtrack in the in the movie, but it's not movies like we have nowadays necessarily. Like it's not there to get you amped up. And maybe movies would do that back then. I don't know. I don't watch old movies like that usually. But like it's not it's not like a the opening scene of Baby Driver, you know? It's like let's settle into this to this romantic maybe comedy. Oh, sorry, you were cutting out. Um, Alex, I was just mentioning before I accidentally moved even slightly. I have to be like a a, a statue every time I record because because of this plug situation. Yeah. I'm gonna Can take you get a look some at like it. um like masking tape or something and just hold it down temporarily. Maybe it's just, it's just I don't like know the slightest really slightest movement will set it off, and then so, sometimes it it's you know it's functions like a regular thing and it's fine, but sometimes not. Alex, I was just I was talking about how subdued this track is, possibly because it is a, a film opening. That's score. right. That's right. And it is. And it is. Um, it does some like old school building, like like they do swells. The strings do some swells, but they're not like huge, and they don't last yeah. very long. Um. Yeah, it's all very like very airy and very like built to have yeah. i miss i guess it's, this is what romance was in 1957 yeah and like you're supposed to be reading the opening credits or whatever D- directed by uh, guy ritchie the yep. famous 1957, <laughs> 1957 director. director guy ritchie um or you and know or whatever's on, on screen so like lyrics by ned washington so you can't have really complicated complicated vocal performance to distract you right you know um what else happens in this song it's mostly that like string swell and stuff Um, yeah like it is pretty steady and that thing we were talking about the strings there's like a high-pitched something i that we Mm -hmm. don't we don't know what it is sounds stringy yeah yeah so yeah they do that uh that string swell to bring us into the you touched me segment you touch me, it's not past tense, but yeah, that's where things get like big. So we're talking about boners now. Yeah. So it's all boners. It's but boners like all the way. But like that's pretty much it. Yeah, this is a it's very small, very short, very simple. Um, it hit number twenty two on the billboards on initial release. Like it is good, it's catchy. Yeah, and I mean it, it was Oscar nominated. Uh, yeah. So someone at least liked it. And I think really like the simplicity and and directness of its metaphor like it's it like picks a metaphor and just goes with it mm-hmm. that's that's often like good to make a more resonant song yeah um just because you you're not complicating it with a bunch of extra yeah, stuff yeah you're not bringing in too many ideas he said this is the idea love is like the wind and the wind is wild yeah here we go and uh yeah, it's like what two and a half minutes. Yeah, and then Nina hundreds. Simone comes in and says, "This needs to be seven minutes long." That's right. And you know so what? We're talking about maybe the it did. 19th... Yeah, maybe it did. So Nina Simone in nineteen sixty six. Love me, love me, love me. Say you do. Um, like I mentioned in the intro, she initially recorded this live for her 1959 album, Nina Simone at Town Hall. Uh, then, and I imagine that composition was similar to this, but this one's, of course, in the studio. They're laying mm-hmm. things down. 
you know, professionally studio quality. Uh, yeah. And so this one starts out, you're, like you said, it's seven minutes. And the crazy thing is, they like, seven minutes, there's almost less instruments than there is in the original. Yeah, it, like, pulls a bunch of stuff. Like, there's no string section. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of piano. And she plays the piano. Um, for anyone not aware of that. She's That's right, she was originally singing. a pianist, and then I just read this on her Wikipedia, that they were like, oh, you'll have to sing to your own accompaniment, and she's like, oh, okay, fuck, I guess I gotta sing now. So then that's how <laughs> she started singing. Which is pretty wild, because her voice is so distinct. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, Nina Simone, if you're not aware of Nina Simone, uh, she's a pretty big deal in music history. Um, and also very widely sampled. So there's a decent chance you've like heard her in something if you haven't mm-hmm. listened to her specifically. Uh, but yes, this is a very sparse version of the song. Yeah, so it opens up with like literally just two notes they play on, I think, a guitar and piano simultaneously. Yeah, plays those two notes and then like a low note. Yeah. Also like on the piano and like, that's right. It hits that bass end of the piano. And so there's like dun, one dun, drum. Dun. Yeah. A symbol of some kind. Yeah, so, so there's like very low intensity call and response. Very light. Very light. Vocals don't come in until I think like 39 seconds. Like 40 is it 39 seconds? seconds? I, no, yeah. I, something happens in exactly 39 right. seconds. <laughs> My note about it is a little vague. Yeah, so um, there's like a little higher piano that comes in for that two note there on 38, and then she comes in with the vocals on 39. Yeah, and at this point, we're kind of getting like like a strumming, like a slow strumming on the guitar, and uh, she's still playing uh, piano. Mm-hmm. Mostly chords at this point. That's right. And then like and we've that got slow some slow drums, maybe with the yeah, brushes kind of thing. Like, very <laughs> sparse. Kind of got that sound to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And she sings fairly low. Uh, I believe it's called Contralto. Hmm. Because it's contrary to alto. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah, she has a very low voice. Um, This one she sings. I've never heard the woman talk and probably never will. uh, Surely there are recordings of Nina Simone. (laughs) Surely. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then there is also a very similar bass pattern to the original, but like even more plotting because it's drawn out. So it's like boom. Yeah, and that's kind of the big thing about this. I mean, there's a few big things about this, but they slow it down and everything gets stretched way out. Yeah. And just kind of like I mean, I think this version does a pretty good job of like finding that sort of depth that just like really chews on everything mm-hmm. and like and there's a support from the piano because as as the song goes on uh the piano starts to play sort of like faster and faster runs and it sort of has that like i mean it's it's this like wind feeling this ebb and flow so you kind of get this like yeah. increased chaos and then it pulls back a bit and then it's sort of you know yeah, that's right, because, like, in the, the You Touch Me section, it starts going, like, big, much larger. It's playing 
pretty lightly in the verse before that. And then, yeah, like around 245, actually, or like a little bit before that, it starts actually hitting some heavier notes. Like some... Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like these and, fast runs. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's what that leads to is a, a full stop on instruments. As she does the... She adds... Lyrically, she's the one who adds the don't you know your life itself. Yes, which is a pretty cool uh, line. I mean, we even talked about in the original how they, um, how he was trying to make it conversational almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but that line kind of makes it even more so. Like it's, it becomes very personal. Yeah. Don't you know? Like it's like, um, what's the song? Um, I'll be your mirror by the yes, by the Velvet Underground. <laughs> by Velvet Underground and Nico, where it's like, if you don't know how great you are, I'll tell you. Like I, yeah. that's what I'm here for. Like don't worry about it. Don't you know your life? It's like you are, you are life and living. Yeah, it's like don't don't you know how incredible you are? And you're right. It does bring it to that personal realm, whereas the original is sort of like, again, it's just laying the theme of a movie out. This one really supercharges it with emotion, and through even that small lyrical addition, brings it to a, a personal space. Yeah, and like between uh, sort of the the way she sings the lyrics, because that's she just sings in a very like affecting manner mm-hmm. um and like the way the piano kind of freely blows around is is what i'm gonna say to be consistent with the metaphor um mm-hmm. does make it feel very personal yeah and, and want, one of the the biggest vocal performance moments is around i think 429 mm-hmm that's where she goes up real high. Starts at about 424 if you want to get the full run. Oh, that's right. She goes up into a, a kind of a higher falsetto. Yeah. And this is one of the, like, there's one of the sections because right before that is, like, heavy, like, piano runs going fast. The drums all over the cymbals. And they kind of, like, slows down, slows down, and things really, like, fade. Mm-hmm. And just like gets that focus on the on the lyrics. And then now we're slow again. And with your kiss yeah. my life begins. Yeah, and that's where some of that like I, I mentioned that cat power quote where they the, they compared the song to heroin. The yeah. substance, not the song by the Velvet Underground. <laughs> and yeah, I think on that slowdown is where you get some of that pain just in that contrast from the big high moment to it crashing down. Yeah, because yeah, it really is that contrast between the the chaotic and then the sort of like the ebbs and flows of of I guess this relationship. Yes, this wild windy love. Wild windy love. I'm gonna say chaos one more time. And that chaos. Will be all. I'll probably see. I'm gonna say Chows, like we're we're playing Sonic Adventure Two. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll I accept like that. it. Um. <laughs> so yes, it's a it's a it's a really cool version. Uh. Interesting decision to just like stretch it way out, I think, mm-hmm. and like not really, not even not add something, but like really strip things away. Um. But just make it so, like, interesting. Mm-hmm. That even at seven minutes, it's 
worth paying attention to. Yeah, at like every step of the way, and it is like it puts all of the weight on uh, her vocals and her piano, which is it's both her. So it's it's really a solo performance with a bit of support from some you know percussion, yeah, a little from, bit of bass, but, and rhythm. like it's pretty light. Yeah, it's very light. And I think it kind of had to be because of the sort of free-flowing nature of everything. It's like you couldn't mm. have a really strong, like, beat. Right, too much structure and there's not enough room to move around. But, yeah, and then it sort of brings it into more of, like, it's more melancholy sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's performed this way. Um, and, and, yeah, it makes it feel darker. Yeah. And ends with a big swell from everything. That's where like all the other, other instruments really come into play. It's right at the end. Everything That's comes true. crashing up. It's the like repeats for the outro. Repeats wild as the wind several times. Yeah. And then yeah, you get the big cymbals. Big fast loud piano too. The piano's really banging away. Mm-hmm. Very climactic. Dun 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 dun. And pretty intense ending. Yeah. Pretty cool. A real knockout. Real hard to follow up, but um I mean for But we're money. really big fans of David Bowie. So I and a lot of people online quote this David Bowie's version as one of the I mean none of them are like critics or professionals, but I've seen people call it like the best rock and roll vocal performance of all time. Of all time? Of all it's time. It's not like rock and roll rock and roll. Like it's I mean obviously it's, it's David, David Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> But it's not like the most rock and roll rock and roll song that's ever rock and rolled. Well, yeah, like we ever, like we talked about earlier, this album is very weird in that it draws a lot of its inspiration from non-rock and roll context. True. Was that our segue like into Elvis David Presley. Bowie? That is. In 1976, we're talking about David Bowie. Um, of course, this song was also released as a single in 1981, where it had an accompanying music video, which was made to promote Changes to Bowie, which is like a, a best of album. Right. Uh, and it's an interesting... We talked about the album a little bit before. Um, we didn't mention... Uh, I just wanted to get into a couple more details. Um, hit me with it. Hmm? Oh, hit me with it. Yeah. Well, this is David Bowie in his, in his Thin White Duke f- character phase. Which is sort of growing out of his previous album, which was Young Americans, which mm. in which he was trying to, um, I guess, emulate this Philadelphia soul style, and it right. was kind of called Plastic Soul by critics. I think that's my understanding. So he yeah. kind of took that idea, this like artificial soul music idea, and ran with it and and built it into this character, um, who looks a lot more buttoned down than his previous characters because he doesn't have like crazy red hair and and wild outfits he's just wearing like a suit and tie but he's Mm -hmm. kind of a more insidious character because of it i believe he's been described by david bowie as not a very nice guy right sorry i i was just uh looking up the phrase plastic soul Apparently, it wasn't critics who used that term to describe young americans it was david bowie he called it that himself 
1976 Playboy interview, Bowie described his recent album, Young Americans, as, quote, the definitive plastic soul record. It's the squashed remains of ethnic music as it survives in the age of Muzak, M-U-Z-A-K, written yeah, and sung by a white limey. <laughs> and then sort of, I think, rolled that into the character for his, for his, for Station to Station. Um, because it's less so much manufactured and feels more like created with an agenda. Like he's making this music to, to convince people that he's okay, but he's like not nice. Right. That's what I've always got out of it anyway. Yeah. There's something about, cause again, I'm, I'm keep on drawing references now to the fifties with it, but mm-hmm. that was a big era of just stealing music from black people and yeah. putting it on these, these, you know, like, clean white faces but really they were it's quite sinister right mm-hmm. and i mean this is the cover song on the album um mm-hmm. and it really is a cover of the nina simone version uh, supposedly yeah. they did meet and they communicated for a while um also supposedly david bowie said a lot in those communications talked about like he's like oh i'm not talented like you are i just like found a formula and i lucked mm. out and became this this rock star uh, which I think is a wild thing to say if you're David Bowie. But. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It, he does seem to do that in a lot of interviews and stuff, though. He's like, us, oh, being a rock star, like, it's not, it's just a thing you do. It's like, he never was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, this is, like, big art I'm making. He's like, well, I found a thing that works. Well, I saw another, I mean, uh, another thing I always thought was kind of interesting about David Bowie is that, like, personally, he was always David Jones. David mm. Bowie was always the stage name. That was the performance. So he, you know, right. performed as David Bowie and he did interviews as David Bowie. But like, I think it was, it was like Ricky Gervais was talking about meeting him. And like, he went to his house and someone said like, someone's here to see Mr. Jones. And he was like, what? What's he talking about? But it's David Jones. Yeah, it's Dave, David Jones. That's yeah, his that's, name. It is weird to remember that that is his name. Yeah. But yeah, that's that for you. Um, yeah, so some more background on there. This is the song. Background. This is the song. That we open about. with some smooth fucking guitar on this. Yeah, I, I don't know who plays all the parts, but I know Carlos Alomar was a big part of the guitar on this album. That's correct. He was I more of like rhythm guitarist, but this is more of a rhythm-y part. Mm-hmm. So but there is also an acoustic guitar on this there that is. I think is layered multiple times, which I, I I read it in just some errant comment online, but I think that's absolutely Carlos Alomar okay. playing these la- layered acoustics. I this other sure. guitar, I don't know, but like you said, it is very rhythmic, so could be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All this to say, I don't know. What a great <laughs> podcast. So we open with that. We open with a, a bit of drum as well. It's got, it got that real like stick hit on it. That Yeah, the click. Yeah. Excuse me. Click sound. Little, I guess, I guess that like jazzy, solely sound. Mm-hmm. I guess. And then bass at the bottom. Solid groove. Much, like, more active than either of the previous two, but still pretty minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, we come into the vocals at about 30 seconds in. 31. Excuse me. Yes. You're, and you're excused. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just doing burpee sounds over here. Hopefully they aren't nice. coming across too loudly. No, I haven't heard any. Um, this version, I think, 
possibly just with knowledge of like the thin white duke as a character and what that means mm-hmm. kind of um this version kind of feels feels less personal because of mm. that um obviously there's a stronger rhythm going on so it's less like free flowing right but more sort of performative and obviously david bowie is a pretty impressive voice in music so he comes in and this is his like lower croony voice yeah Perhaps he is, yeah, less personal, but there he does seem to be almost more pleading or something in a in a performative way. There is something about he, like he's really trying to draw you in. I feel. Yes, I I would agree with that, and it it's a very um well you mentioned it's called one of the stronger like rock vocals of all time. Mm-hmm. He's definitely really going for it on this one. Yeah, like I mean, particularly you, you have to. Yeah. You really do, right? Uh, particularly closer to the end, um, mm-hmm. when he like really builds up. And we we talk about this uh, how like it's insane to try to cover something and like just do like the same thing because then you're it's a direct competition, right? Yeah. But that's almost what this one is. Like instrumentally, there's a lot of different stuff going on, but it almost achieves the same purpose. It sets up the mood through which we get to perceive the vocals. And his vocal performance is, I would say, at least on par with Nina Simone. Yes, they're both very good. Um, yeah, I really phenomenal. like some of the things he does. Like he kind of like goes between like this airy sound when he gets a little higher, um, and then he'll like drop down to the low, and then he does because the song is based on the Nina Simone version and so much of it is so drawn out he'll like hold a single note for a really long time and just like adjust Mm -hmm. the vibrato as he goes and you get this like really strong vibrato closer to the end uh in particular um when he sings you in I guess the chorus you'd call it the you touch me he holds that you for a really long time and just like you and I'm not even gonna do it I'm not gonna try to sing it that's crazy yeah you're right he does do these big holds like he is doing a big vocal performance, even though it is still is in this sort of uh, like in the context of this song, which is not over the top. It's very like very tight. yeah. The rest of the song is pretty like buttoned down, kind of like mm-hmm. the Thin White Duke character has this outward buttoned down appearance, but then his performance is really going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one thing that really does a lot for the transitions to sections here is the drum rolls. Yes, I like them too. <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> um, even it's, like later yeah. on, um, I think it's at the end of the chorus. Like the first time, it does a a drum roll, and the second one is like much longer, but it starts earlier. But it's that sort of like it's like if it was digital, it would sound like you know Casio drum roll fill button um but it's not yeah it's, but it's kind of similar right. it's idea. almost like a textbook like yeah. drum roll so it's not really out there it's just like tight yeah it's just done so well yeah that's about if you go to like 422 you'll you'll catch it mm-hmm. um another little thing to note he's like strained falsetto when he sings mandolins mm-hmm. on the like anderson's like mandolins and like goes yeah. up and it's that, that's, like, strained, airy falsetto sound is, like, 
pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the the walks that he takes from the low end up to the high end back again. Like this is a big vocal journey. It's I can't even imagine trying to sing this one. Yeah, he didn't like from what I saw, he didn't even perform it live until 2000. Like he performed it I think in his like Glastonbury performance and he had a small tour that year. Mm. But like it, I don't think he did it live before that. Yeah, or not be, much anyway. It would be tough. I don't know of a live recording of it. Yeah. Not that I know a whole bunch of David Bowie live recordings. I know like I don't know two. Too, too much. I know the one. Uh, what's it called? The Philly so the Philly Dogs one that that you lent me. And then Philly like, Dogs. Yeah, oh, that one's like a 1972 one, isn't it? Like pretty early on. It was after Diamond Dogs and before Young okay. Americans. I forget the year. After Diamond Dogs, but before Young Americans. Which is why it's called Philly Dogs. Because it's Diamond Dogs music in Amer- Young American style. Uh, sucking down a Philly dog. That's how the taste <laughs> freeze. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that, Alex. Yeah. Um, so I think, obviously I we really like this song. We obviously really like this. One thing just to note um, is I do believe that the acoustic guitar that comes in sort of once things pick up, gets layered as they go throughout. So it starts out as just one acoustic, and then it's to two and maybe even three acoustic tracks playing very similarly, but just makes it bigger. Yeah, there's a lot of filling out of that. But then going, like, cutting back down, like, when he sings what is, according to the uh, lyrics that I read in the book from the CD I own, Mm. um, part of the chorus, the Don't You Know Your Life Itself, is the final line of the chorus genius? Not the first line of the next verse, but whatever. It's kind of God, separate. Genius. Everything cuts out, and he does the "Don't you know your life?" <laughs> I just really like this performance. Yeah, it's Obviously. a phenomenal performance. Um, yeah, really well done. Love it. Uh, Alex, did you watch the music video for this? A uh, little bit. It's mostly just it's- like him miming it, right? Well, yeah, it's him and the gang, so it's got Tony Visconti on the double bass, Coco oh, Schwab right. on the guitar, Mel Gaynor on drums, and Andy Hamilton on the saxophone. Um, yeah, and it's just, like, black and white. It's, done, it's directed by David Mallet, who is, like, a huge music video director. He's done a lot of Bowie videos, um, some Queen ones, uh, just, just a ton. Surprisingly, none we've ever talked about before. I did a, at least none that were listed on his Wikipedia page, but, right. yeah. Big, big deal in the, the music industry starting out. He was kind of like one of the, the first ones on the scene. Uh, but yeah, this is very much like a, we throw a black and white filter on a regular jam session. Maybe that's a music video. <laughs> yeah, it's black and white, kind of soft focus. And it's them all sitting around. They all have like music scores in front of them, which is not very rock and roll traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's more like jazz. So yeah. I trying to remember the quote there was a quote i think from david bowie he said like they were just trying to make it look like the sort of thing that was already on tv mm. um that you might see and like fit in with this sort of like jazz or soul maybe performance right Appar- so, like, i think on wikipedia it, it, it claimed that it was similar to the setup of his 1976 tour called like isolate or something oh but if that's true, I have no idea. It, it it looks more like what you've just described with a Bowie quote, which is yeah, it's like oh, trying it's to fit in. With the, and this was play. several years later, right? Yeah, this was eighty one, so we're yeah. talking five years after the release. And um, 
MTV started in 1980, right? That's right. So music videos are much bigger by that time. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, this is your fairly like low effort one. Uh, you, you just build it to crank it out. So you, you're getting that airtime. Yeah. I mean, obviously music videos are generally marketing tools, but this just kind of seems like, yeah, not much. More yeah, this than is that. very like there are some cool shots, I think, given the black and white filter on it and given yeah. the character of the thin white Duke where you see David Bowie with like heavy shadows contrasted with this hard white skin. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool lighting and stuff yeah. and like some of the fading shots and stuff is, I don't know, kind of neat seeing people superimposed on top of each other uh the sort of thing i would generally take for granted yeah again it's like it's just laying groundwork for things that are like <laughs> like in the modern world music videos are yeah very simple tricks i think there's actually a mandolin in this version that i don't always notice uh, that would like, make sense i wouldn't put it past him anyway yeah yeah that's good shit that's man the... That's the Bowie shit. It's good um, Bowie. Yeah. There's no mandolin credited on the on the 1976 production credits. Hmm. Ac- oh. According to Wikipedia. It's off topic. Because yes. we're kind of between songs now. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about uh, Life on Mars. And yes. I looked up the lyrics booklet. In the lyrics booklet, yes. and they do spell America with a K on in the <gasps> on America's tortured brow line. In the lyrics, in the booklet, mm. which I think is kind of neat. That is kind of neat. Is that? Do you think with that K, they're implying like some KKK lineage, or is it just? I don't like... know, because it's not America with three Ks. It's America with a K, which I would always think of associated with um, like Russia, Russian. Okay. Speaking. Ah, yes, 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 yes. That makes sense in that verse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, Alex, we're going to move to the the distant year of 1990 to talk about Madeline Eastman and Madeline. Tom Harrell. Love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you. For my love is like the wind and wild is the wind. Satisfy this hungryness. Give me more than one caress. Eastman. So this jazz singer. Yeah. Um, this is like a pretty jazzy version. Kind of like an, I think, more old school jazz because it's kind of like swing, swing jazz. Yeah. Um, which I'm saying a lot of words that I don't fully understand, but I think Nobody that's what we're Nobody can stop you, at. Alex. Right. No one has authority over me. I can say that's whatever right. misinformation, spread whatever misinformation I want. You're a sovereign citizen, Alex. Embrace, Do what you want. embrace the internet and lie. And lie. Maybe yeah, don't so, do yeah, that, it's, actually. It's very, it feels like textbook jazz. It's a little bit of jazz by numbers, if you ask me. It is. like the, If you look at the parts, like, go to the drums, it's like, you know? That's like the jazz beat that I know. And mm-hmm. if I know it, other people must too, right? Yeah. Um, if Tom it's Harrell, jazz. Before we get in too much further, Tom Harrell right. is on this. He's a trumpeter, composer, flugelhornist, and arranger. Flugelhorn. Is the flugelhorn the curvy one? Sure. I didn't bother to look it up that far. I just like the uh, flute. Oh, it's, it, it's the one that looks like a, a fat trumpet. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Fat trumpet. It's fat, it's fat trumpet. Um, yeah, so it's jazz chords on the piano, and it is a lot of chord work on the piano, not a lot of big runs on it. Uh, jazz drums. Mm-hmm. Trumpet. I'm assuming it's a trumpet because he's a trumpeteer. Oh, yeah, it's a trumpet. It's a trumpet, yeah. That, that comes in and out to do some noodling. 
and there's a stand-up bass doing a walking bass line. Yeah, I think it doesn't start with a walking bass line. Is that this one? No, it does not. That's correct. Yeah, it like comes in later and starts walking around, but at first it's just kind of like, it's kind of like doing that free jazz thing where it's like, boom, 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 and you're like, is that a rhythm? What are you even doing? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's about the notes you don't play in. He's playing a lot of notes. He's playing a lot of notes, so it's not really a lot happening, I guess. It's playing too much for it to be jazz. I don't know. That's right. Um, And it's very fast. Very fast. She throws... This is the thing, is we come from two performances, and of course one being heavily inspired by the other, but that chew up these words and yeah, make each it one way out. really and, and I guess at that point, you say, like, how do we make it different? Well, we do the opposite. Well, yeah, we throw away these by lines. By singing the whole thing twice in, like, two minutes. Yeah. Love is like the wind. Oh, wild is the wind. Wild like, is I, the I don't wind. believe she's in love with anyone. Yeah, it doesn't really give it time to, like sit and I, I suppose maybe it's more of a, a trumpet piece or something uh because yeah, maybe it, like jazz like jazz often does it kind of like gets this the lyric stuff out of the way and then goes into uh solos yeah we get about a minute and a half of solos starting at the 157 mark with a piano that then works into a trumpet and then comes back to to the song yeah and i think at that point, I think she's already gone through the whole thing once and then almost the second time. She's done the whole song and then she starts over again. Well, yeah, and then she sings she... like verse and then she's, th- I think it's the end of the chorus and then that's when the, the, the instruments uh, or the solos start. Yeah. And then, yeah, piano solo, trumpet solo, um, which like during the trumpet solo, the piano chords start like super light and then just get louder. Yeah. And then they do the like wild jazz. Oh, she comes back in for the other verses and everything's kind of going wild here. So there's mm-hmm. still that like wildness of the wind. I mean, wild's in the name of the song. You got to go a little wild. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the other ones kind of found this or at least the other covers, not really the original. Uh found found this sense of chaos sort of between the lines. Mhm. Um by stretching everything out. Where yeah, it was almost like chaos in the most still moments, right? You let it yeah. linger, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. it is wild. Whereas this one kind of took the song, and in speeding it up, did create some chaos, because it, it still feels chaotic. It, maybe just in contrast, you know, to the other ones. Um, but it, it does kind of have that feeling of just like, whoa, shit, it's coming at me. <laughs> which is a different feeling of chaos but i would say it's still chaos um right sure it is less affecting the originals i would say yeah less and i think in terms of chaotic jazz uh there's (laughs) what's the (laughs) far out exciting jazz like this is not as wild as it can get no this is definitely not as wild as it can get um but this is also, I don't think, is Jazz Fusion specifically. Now, Jazz Fusion could do an interesting version of this version, I think, and make mm. it really crazy. Um, maybe harder to listen to, though. <laughs> but um, who knows? In any case, yeah. that's kind of, yeah, this version. Um, you got that, yeah, more swingy jazz feeling uh, and some uh, instrument solos later on. But yeah, it, it really yeah. goes. It really does go. It really moves quick. And like it's I mean, they technically did it. They moved Wild is the Wind into the genre of jazz 
don't know why I soft jade that. The jazz. Of, uh, of jazz. Spells Z H A Z Z. Jazz. But jazz. So yeah, they moved it there. They did all the textbook tricks, and it is it, totally fine. It's fine. But I'm coming up from two powerhouses. <laughs> yeah, I know. Coming coming <laughs> off of News and David Bowie, it just doesn't doesn't have the same impact. Uh, yeah, it not for really me anyway. Maybe if you really like this style of jazz. Yeah, maybe if you're a jazz head, you're like, finally, wild is the wind oh. for the rest of us. Yeah, this is this but, is what I yeah I don't know. This is what I need, but I, it's it's not doing it for me. Nobody's surprised at that yeah. point. But at the same time, like we say, sometimes if you do have like shoes to fill, and this is a pretty big, several fairly large pairs of shoes um, associated with this song, you just got to do something completely different. Yeah, I guess some good instinct there. Uh, I just think the execution itself could be better. Mm-hmm. With that, we're going to talk about Esperanza Spalding in 2010. Spalding. Love me, love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away. It's been around for a couple of years. Yeah, um, um, recognize the, the name. Spalding fortune. Yeah, because yeah, you know the football. The, yeah, the balls. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think she's actually part of that, but you know. Um, I recognize the name because it was she came up on my Discover Weekly a little while ago. Mm. So she got an album called Twelve Little Spells. It's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, so um, she's uh, a bassist and a singer. She uh, performs. She's a good combination. The genre of jazz. Of jazz. <laughs> contemporary jazz. <laughs> she's a contemporary jazz player. Um, she's got a bunch of awards and stuff. Uh, this is very much a Nina Simone cover, right down to the, the intro, which is those yeah. those two notes with the bass after. Yes, but now it's like it's a bass and a like violin. Yeah. Maybe a viola. I don't know all the differences. Something in that string family. You know, a, a violin-like instrument. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it kind of builds up a tension because we got that, like, kind of droning on a violin that goes like, because ah, it holds that last note on the second one. Dun, dun. Right. And then you also get introduced to the uh, melodica. Which plays yes. in this song. Uh, which I wasn't sure what kind of reed instrument it was. It seemed like impressively fast chromatic harmonica playing. Um, mm. But I watched a live performance and there's a guy playing a melodica. That makes sense. So I for some seems reason to be a melodica. It does kind of sound like that too. That was also my other guess. Because um, that would have been reasonable. As opposed mm-hmm. to, I feel like, like virtuoso level harmonica playing. I'm not totally plugged in with the chromatic harmonica world. But it seemed very fast. Right, yeah. And it didn't, uh, to me, and it, it wasn't didn't that. Register so. as a harmonica, so I mean, I'm not chromatic a harmonica, harmonica in the higher registers. I think is a little di- okay. Right on. Um, wouldn't sound like a like a diatonic bluesy harmonica, but it's not that, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. It's. I, I looked at that live video briefly. I was just like, "There's too many fucking keyboards here." <laughs> yeah, so there are a lot of keyboards. Like, but then I saw Christ. he had a tube in his mouth, and I was like, "Oh, it's fucking melodica." Uh, uh, so it is a melodica. Playing it well in this live version, which is actually around the same time. I think a little bit before the recording. Yeah, I think it's a little before. It's 2009. But who know. knows when it was recorded versus when it was released versus when they performed this? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In any case, nobody knows. 
Um, we get the, we get those two notes. We get some yes, some symbol, that's the issue. symbols coming in. Um, and yeah, kind of that like, like drum, like you know, like yeah, drum yeah. roll swell thing. And then this sort of like muted plucking. This tick, 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 tick. yeah, that's kind of neat. Now I know. I don't know what that is, but it could just be like a violin being plucked, or yeah. maybe it's lower. Maybe it's like because she's a bass player and she often plays. Like in this video, she's playing a bowed, um, yeah. like upright bass. So yeah, I you guess can do like uh, some muted plucking on that. Maybe even just like ghost notes, where you kind of just hold it on the string and then pluck, so it doesn't really. It's not like a muted note where you can kind of register what note it is. It's just like that noise. Right. Yeah. And doing the boom, 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 boom. Very woody kind of. Mm-hmm. Low yeah, sound. and I think that comes from the the double bass there. That's just the strings you get on those, right? They got that woody yeah. tone. Yeah. Also introduces some piano, very low. Keeps it very low register at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it starts to like combine the sounds. This is like forty-five seconds in, and then they kind of all play together to make this sound. And it's it's the reeds together with the strings, which actually reminded me a little bit of uh, just a little bit. The sound of um, the cog is dead, <laughs> just because it's because they have like an accordion, so it's like reeds combined. With right, strings. yeah, that plays pretty close to that. So it doesn't really have that vibe, but it does have a similar sound to that. Yeah, and I don't and so know exactly what that's called. If there's a name for it, it's the it's the cog is dead sound, baby. <laughs> yeah, they're the <laughs> they're the uh, they coined it, minted it. I'm sure there's a word that I could say, but I can't think of it. Founded it. Progenitor. Achieved it. Yeah. Invented it. Progenitor. Progenitated. Nope. Progeny. Yeah. So, and and at some point, she starts to sing as well. About a minute in. Hey. Nice. Look at us go. But it's very slow and low at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after each one of her lines, or like usually you get that uh, melodica coming in as a sort of response. Yeah, between verses and lines and stuff. She, she also yeah. sings quite a bit uh, higher. Yeah. If only because Nina Simone sings quite low. Yeah, it's a base, almost anything would be higher than that. Yeah. And there's yeah a big driving uh, like low end on this. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I guess as a bass player, maybe she's got... Bass on the brain. Yeah, there's like a the very theatric tension to this. Yeah, and I think also um, possibly part of the reason, like you said, driving low end, uh, why that would come from the bass is because it does have a similar feeling to the Nina Simone of that like kind of free tempo sort of thing where it's like, it's, it's really led by like the the lead performer. <laughs> Right, you know? yeah, like the the rhythm structure and everything is sort of loosely around it. Yeah, and maybe if you put this to a click track, it would be perfectly in time. But I have no idea. There's not a strong like rhythm. Yeah, they've to certainly latch covered onto. their tracks. If it is, yeah, they wouldn't have had to do that. If they did that, it's just a lot of effort put in for <laughs> probably not much benefit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely that. And and as I understand, that's kind of a classical music thing. In some ways. Right. Um, does that even make sense? I'll allow it. I mean. Anyway. 
what are we talking about? This song. I'm talking about this song. Um, we get to the chorus, as we're calling it, the You Touch Me section. I think it is the chorus. I think it's, yeah, I think it's acceptable chorus. to call it that. It's uh, we get there around 2.20-ish? Yeah. Yeah, 2.18. Things get big there again. Yeah, she's. I think it stays fairly low-key overall, just because like most of the instruments stay low-key. But like her voice kind of soars above it all. Yeah, and the the melodica does a little run up with her on that point. Right. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't like hammer it home. It's not like a huge swell. It's just like now it's a different section. You go, yes, it is. Yeah, the build manages to be pretty gradual. More so, or I think like more of what we would expect from a modern song in terms of building. Mm-hmm. Particularly compared to like the Nina Simone version. Yeah. Which now we didn't really talk about it, but the end of the David Bowie version, he also goes pretty wild because there's like the repetitions of the wild is the wind. He yeah. goes he goes pretty fucking buck wild on those last couple repetitions for the outro. That's right. And it's it's a fade out on that one. So it's yes. it just kind of rides it to the end of the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because he stops singing and it's just keeps on with the background now this mm-hmm. one is just kind of like a little more of that um because the the instruments i think support the build a little more uh, yeah then in the and you get this, that same in the chorus build structure that you get in the nina simone where things mm-hmm. ramp right up to the final line of the chorus right and it's kind of built around the like speed of playing Mm-hmm. yeah the piano's playing more notes you get a couple of big drum crashes and then it slows right down um, and then we move into a very, like, heavy section. Get another, like, hard-on-the-low-end, big bassy notes on both piano and bass. Is this for at, the like, next, next verse? Yeah. 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 The, like, that really intense, like, bowed bass. Bum, yeah, like that, bum, that bum, it's an arpeggio, bum. I think, right? Dun, 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 this dun, is really, because up to this point, it's been, it's stayed pretty sparse. And then once we get to this point, it, it, I mentioned the modern build. This is feels more modern as well in terms of sort what? of the arrangement. Are you there? Something happened. Alex. Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello. Alex, are you there? Uh-oh. Oh, oh mm-hmm. I can hear you now. Okay. All right. So I had the sound That's of me being sucked out of a vacuum. It was like boom. Oh wow. Um, Alex. I could hear you the whole time. Well, let's see. Right. So this is where it kind of also feels more modern in that this is taking away the sparseness of the previous arrangement. Right. You're talking around uh what, like the three twenty mark or the yeah, four or When we get mark? into that yeah, verse. Yeah. Yeah, three twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so yeah, it's big big arpeggios. Yeah. Um, she also, when she thinks clings, holds it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by some, because I think she holds the end sound. It's always weird. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one to hold. Yeah. Um, she gets really big around the, the 420 segment. That's when she really starts, like, punching it, and she, around 430, we return to that intro strum pattern while she starts going super high. Yeah, and also, um, it feels more like ad-libbed at this point. For yeah. For the most part, she kind of, like, even, like, around four minutes 
or a little after she starts to go into some like ad lib stuff. She says like, let my heart love you. And then says, well, does the wind at some point. Uh, and then like holds some long falsetto note. And it really feels like this climax is about four and a half minutes. Yeah. 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 I think that's what you're talking about. That is exactly what I was talking um, about. And then like kind of drops down again. Yeah. And then it's uh, more ad libbing after that. Yeah, and everything stays pretty low-key at that point. Yeah. Um, and then the, just, like, uh, a really fast... It doesn't fade out, but it's, like, really quick. Yeah, and then the melodica does, like, a little poot. It's like, poot. As they do. And then it's gone, and then you're like, that was Esperanza Spalding. Yeah. So I think it was, it was a cool version. Like, kind of modernized version of, of the Nina Simone version. Yeah. Doing some neat tricks with a sort of orchestral, like, inspiration. Yes, keeping it sparse, but um, changing it up. Yeah, you know? these, these big moments. There's uh, some good, yeah, not relying fully good sounds on... in there. Yeah, I like the introduction vocals. of the melodica as the sort of new wind-blowing thing. Yeah, an interesting element. I don't think it always sounds good. There's a few moments where it just sounds like it's it's playing because it can. But Melodica can get a little a good screechy. Addition. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of a little screechy though, we're gonna talk about an old favorite. Uh, yes. uh and I still I feel like I pronounced this right. Shoo shoo in 2012. That's how I say it. Shoo shoo. Experimental band from California named after the film Shu Shu, The Scent Down Girl, a Chinese film. They claim that this film has influenced their music, and that makes me curious to see this film. We've yeah. talked about this group at least twice. Yeah, I can once remember Once for Fast too. Car, and once for something else. Like under Pressure. Under Pressure. It was Under Pressure. I looked it up. Alex, my man, are you stunned at my incredible memory? Are you, are you just cutting out again? No, I, I, I supported He's you. He's gone. He's dead. Oh, no. I'm uh, trying to talk. What am I going to do with all this dead air? You know what they say. You just got to gotta fill that space. Hello? Shoo, shoo. You know, Hello? XIU, XIU. Hello? I'm looking through the, uh, the things here. I'm beep looking boop. through the, the discography. I thought it might be beep easier boop, to beep find boop. when we had had it was last. It was under pressure. Um, what if it was for, like, Total Eclipse of the Heart? Wouldn't that be a wild one? A wild pick. Um, Alex has sent me a message. It was under pressure. Oh, I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, apparently... Ah, you're back, Alex! I'm back. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I tried to say it was under pressure right after, uh, you... Right after you said one other song. Okay. But it was under pressure and Fast Car. Those are the two. And Fast Car, yeah. Always um, a, always that I remember a anyway. one. The first, like... We'll talk about it here, but the the vocals always have this sort of pathetic quality to them. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely not going for, like your traditional idea of like a strong vocal yeah they're definitely playing with what they can do here and it's interesting we usually hear the higher range from the vocalist on this one and while we do get some of that they go for this like deep voice yes um and i guess the general idea behind the vocals very close mic and like kind of whispery yeah. 
okay i'm just worried i cut out again sorry no i gotta i gotta be responsive because <laughs> the, the internet yeah very close mic very whispery um and a lot of use of like i guess you'd call them like indie darling instruments like this one has whistles in it yeah and possibly several saxophones possibly i think that's not out of character for shushu i think those yeah are, i think they had saxophone before um but yeah super close mic sound and he's like <laughs> like he's like we talked about chewing on the words before this is like spitting them out chewing them, yeah. spitting them out shoot him spit him out and he's at asmr distance to the mic so it's oh yeah getting every bit of it yeah this is like a somewhat aggressive asmr yeah um but asmr none nonetheless i think um i don't know i don't yeah. get the reaction to asmr i don't think i don't know it's one of those things where then now i'm like listening to see if i get it every time and that yeah. just puts me in a weird headspace yeah so i'm like is this it is this also, it i think <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know if there's science behind it or what, but I f- there's some things where like your brain can produce a positive or negative reaction, you know? Right. So I feel like if I get the reaction, it's revulsion. It's not whatever the good reaction is. Right. It's like, get me out of this. Oh, no. Like, I gotta My get connection is bad. Connection's bad, but I still got you on the line. That's good. Yeah, That's see, what matters. Because if, if my Spotify goes gray... Like, if, if everything gets grayed out, it means the connection's not good enough to stream. Right. And also, the voice connected on on Discord has bars. So that drops down. Right. That's right. Um, Don't you worry. We're going to get through this, Alex. We're going to get through this. All right. But I'll keep an We've eye on it. Been through worse. Um, Alex, so we start out with the same, like, two guitar notes thing, except this has that, that whistle noise and, like, a very thin guitar. It might even yeah. be a mandolin. And then, like, this low... Yeah, like a fucking foghorn. <laughs> Which I assume is low saxophone. <laughs> that would make sense. But definitely, yeah, sounds like a foghorn. So, it's that. And, and really, that's what the Nina Simone version kind of did. Yeah, and this is like the let's make it weird version of that because yeah. mm. it it is playing with these this high pitch noises, which are generally unpleasant in my experience. Yeah, it's not right it's now. not quite on the level of uh, the the Flaming Lips version of Life on Mars, though. Oh yeah, and I, I'm talking a lot of shit. I actually like I find Shushu very exciting to listen to yeah they're always else. interesting I, I wouldn't generally listen to them regularly but it's not like offensive or anything like it's a solid no. version for a lot of similar reasons i think as some of the previous ones um it, but the way he sings almost sounds like he's like making fun of or something like the david bowie version because we talked about like how much is clearly put into that so mm-hmm. if you kind of like then push to overdo that that's kind of what you get here oh you're gone oh half my back since you were gone alex i think i got it recorded pick up yeah he's uh it's he has this this like he's playing with that deep end which both david bowie and nina simone did mm-hmm. and like he's he's also the, the shushu who is not one person but a band right and he's just got that like that weirdness he does not sound like a like a, a mainstream person he sounds like a a fringe character he brings that energy to this and it's strange it's a little terrifying hey am i back but also Can you a hear little me? intriguing you're back alex okay that's good um i don't know why my internet's just a little spotty 
a little spotty. At the Nothing moment. to be done for it. Um, yeah, what else happens in this version? Uh, it does a lot of the things we talked about before. Um, in terms of making it sound kind of chaotic. And they kind of are, go more into like cacophony. Yeah, um, that's their thing when they yeah. got the full band on display is being very cacophonous. Yeah, for the like tension moments. Um, and mm-hmm. then particularly right like in the outro. Yeah. Section. And like you mentioned, a lot of horns on this. A lot of sax action. Yeah. Yeah, that's making up a lot of that. A lot of that cacophonous sound. And it is just like big holds. Like it's not your like technical skill playing saxophone. It's just like. Yes. The other thing. Is this this one? Let me just. Ah, fuck. Hang on a sec. There was something I had to say. There honestly might be an accordion on this too. Um, Plus. Yeah, okay. So I think one of the things they're doing and is um, if you kind of mess around with particularly a piano, I've noticed it's easy to notice on, but it's true across instruments. Um, in low frequencies, chords kind of have to be more spread out to sound pleasant mm. because they just kind of get muddy if they're too close together. And I don't know exactly why that is. It probably has to do with the frequencies actually being closer together in low at low frequencies because it, notes are the frequencies of notes increases logarithmically so it's it doubles in frequency every octave right so if you play chords low you generally would spread them out if you wanted them to sound more pleasant and if you yeah, play them you high play, yeah. you can spread them out but you can play them closer together um it's right. kind of safer to do whereas it seems to me like they're pushing them close together in the low register and muddying everything up with that. Right, intentionally. Yeah, yeah, I know playing on the bass, if I'm even playing a chord, like I have to do it at least halfway like down the neck, like around the 12th fret, and it's yeah. got to be like two notes up high and one way low. So yeah, it's, it's just the best you can get. Good. I, I honestly yeah. thought like my piano growing up, when I started playing like seventh chords, mm-hmm. like chords with four whole notes in them and like, Pushed them to a lower octave. It just sounded. I was. I thought my piano was out of tune, but that's just what it sounds like. You just can't do that, right? And have it sound the same as it is high. <laughs> yeah, I just bring that back to this. This one really leans into the like pinged interpretation of the song, or it's like a desperate plea for love, and it's muddy and kind of gross. Yeah, and it sounds like weak. Yeah, it's yeah vulnerable, weak and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I guess. So that fits probably this more than like under pressure. Yeah. But I guess it's kind of similar to how they approached Fast Car. Yeah. But this doesn't work. Fast fast Car was real weird. Whenever I think about a fast car, I think of a guy alone in a bathtub. (laughs) That was, that was, I mean, that's the album artwork, kind of. That's right. Yeah. Um, An understandable conclusion. Right. That's their 2003 one, I promise. Not in the A long, long time ago. Emily was on that episode. That's right. Shout out to Emily, Emily, friend of the podcast. And yeah, like a lot of this is just drones on the those those saxons. Yeah, and then like lower drone, higher drone, lower drone. 
almost like a funeral dirge here, but then with some high ripping sax that comes in to <laughs> just in confuse you. Yeah. So, an interesting one to listen to, as Shushu generally is. Interesting to listen to. Hard mm-hmm. to recommend. Am, yeah. I, am I here? Am I there? Okay. You are here. You said Sorry, hard to sure. recommend. Sorry, I'm right, just cool. getting to the end of the song here. Um, Yeah, they do like a... It's just a little sparse arpeggio section near the end, which stands That's right. in contrast to everything else. It kind of, it kind of else. gets normal at the end. Yeah. Right? Like, they're playing these, like, fairly simple chord sounds. Yeah. After they fade out, they do, like, this whole chaotic thing. Mm-hmm. And lose it a couple seconds. And then... It's like pleasant music. Yeah, briefly, and then it, it ends on another low sax drone. And that's that's the song. That's shoo shoo for you. Yeah. People of the court. With that, we're gonna come to our last uh cover of this episode of Cover Me. This cover featured here on Cover Me is called Rosemary Stanley and Sylvain Griotto in twenty sixteen. Rather that's the artist the cover is yeah, still called. Yes. Wild is the Same wind. name, Wild is the Wind. Love me, love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you. Um, Rosemary Stanley is French, and most of the information on her is in French. Yeah, um, but she's Franco-American though. So she's born in Paris. Uh, I think she's moved to America. But uh, she's a sing- singer for the group Moriarty, uh, which I know like one song by, and it's in English. So I don't know what to tell you there, Alex. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then this Sylvain Griotto guy, also information in in French. Um, yeah, pianist and a composer though. Yeah. And there, those two brief descriptions tell you everything about this song. It is her singing with her sort of like, uh, I want to say indie darling voice. I've used it the phrase indie darling old today school. already. It's got like a nasal quality to it that makes it sound like like early, we talked about early crooning. Kind of that, mm. but for like female performers. Right. And it's, yeah, it's got that like almost warbly quality to it. Yeah. And I could be getting my arrows off. I don't know that much about the early stuff. But. Well, you know, neither do I. But that's the vibe I've, I'm getting. It's loungy. Yeah. It's loungy. Loungy. I've also written she has a unique Muppet quality to her voice. Muppet quality. I mean, I said nasal, but... Yeah, it's, it's, whatever you know, it's in you that range. Call it. yeah. Muppet, Muppets have some great songs. So I'm, they don't, do. Don't I don't want to disparage Muppets. And there's nothing wrong Muppets. with your voice sounding nasal. That's just a descriptor. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying just to make a, a judgment here. I'm just trying to describe yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about this because really this version is pretty simple and clean. It's, yeah, you've got the piano playing the piano, very similar to the Nina Simone. It's very much doing just big movements. Uh, it starts out with the three notes because it, it just does all those notes in the beginning itself rather than a, a two-note, one-note response. You know what this version reminded me of a little mm. bit is Johnny Guitar. Yeah, that's in Follow that's... New Vegas. She actually has a version of that song on this album. I did uh, actually see you listening to that, and now it all makes sense. Yeah. So that's just one thing I wanted to mention about the way it's sung. Yeah, and that's a Not again that's derail a this classic too much, but... sort of ballad. It makes sense, yeah. right? Like that one's about sad, like like yearning for love. Except yeah. that one's you know your old Johnny guitar. 
Yeah, but the big thing this one does, um, it does. I mean, it's that it's her singing slowly, and then like the the piano plays arpeggios, and it kind of um, speeds up those arpeggios for the chorus and stuff, or like plays more regularly. Mm-hmm. Now, it does one odd thing, yes, and that is the "You Spring to Me, All Things," "Your Spring to Me, All Things to Me" line speeds up like double time yeah. very briefly and it is jarring and i yeah. have mixed feelings about it yeah it kind of brings to mind the madeline eastman performance very briefly goes you're spring yeah. to me all things to me and then like back into the slow yeah almost like she didn't like those lines she's like well, i should get these out of the way just, like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah just fucking just do them. move it along and here we go back to the lines but like yeah it is odd and I know, like, we talked about, like, this song often uses sort of a, a stretching and contracting meter to, mm-hmm. to emulate that feeling of blowing around and that chaos. But I feel like it's too, like, regimented in this yeah. way. Yeah. Because it's just like, okay, for this little bit, we're going to do double time, and then we're going to go back. Yeah, I think giving that level of control to the vocals where you can abruptly stop, it, it detracts from their their sort of role of being caught up in all this, right? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I, yeah, didn't love that part. And I'm trying to figure out what the, like, effect is meant to be, basically. Because I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. What's it supposed, like, what do, what do I, f- what's it make me feel other than, like, a little off-put? I don't know if that's the the intention. Yeah, she does it both times. And it's almost that like look to camera kind of move in vocals where you're like telling a joke to the audience. You would have like a sharp piano note and then you're like, oh, I never even met her. And then it goes back to the rest of the song. Like, <laughs> But in this, yeah, it's what is... Cling why? to her. I hardly know her. Um... Know her, yeah. Like... <laughs> It's not the only thing that's spring. Ing. <laughs> sprung? What? Um, sprung. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 awkward, and I'm trying to figure out if like that makes sense in the context, and I I'm coming up with nothing. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, but the it, rest it of it's like soft and pleasant and loungy and like. St- yeah, perfectly functional. Yeah, not like, like less straightforward <laughs> than the than the uh, Madeline Eastman one we talked about or anything yeah. quite different, but both of them kind of have that straightforward feel. And then this one kind of changes into that for a second and then changes for back. a second. Yeah. It's, it's very jarring. Strange, strange, very strange. With that, we're going to get into our final verdicts here. We got three categories today. We got the worst version, the best version, and the version that should be in the remake of the film. Wild is the wind. Should they ever choose to make one? <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Alex, what's the worst version of this? The worst version? I think it's gotta be... It's gotta be Madeline Eastman. Just cause, um... There's not much going on that I, like, really liked about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it's trying... Something. But we talked about it kind of falls short. It doesn't... What am I trying yeah, to it's say? Just, it's just, it's like flat. Said, it's, it's, like... it's really straightforward cover. Uh, it seems to like try to mix things up, but sort of unsuccessfully. 
and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it doesn't do much to to amplify the song. Yeah, like all of the pieces internally function, but then like you you zoom out and it's just like a, a shitty little contraption. You're like, oh okay, oh. I guess it's fine that it works. <laughs> Why but... did we build this? <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't actually want this. See, I think it is technically fine, and that is its one advantage over the Rosemary Stanley version that there is no weird sore thumb on this because all of the pieces work together. But I don't think the pieces jive together with the song itself. Mm-hmm. So that that I'll, I'll agree. I think Madeline Eastman is the worst version of this because at least Rosemary Stanley's version has me thinking about why they're making this weird decision with this. This 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 break to to speaking tone, yeah. Whereas I already understand why they're doing the Madeline Eastman yeah. version. It, it it's makes a, it's perfect a jazz sense. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're doing jazz stuff, and oh, there's a trumpet solo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what you do. But this song, I almost would say, doesn't isn't enough of a standard. Like, there's not mm-hmm. enough of. Like, there's too much in it, for the lyrical part to be just like a throwaway maybe just because of the nina simone version yeah it's i mean yeah you don't have that performance then there's like there's not that much to the lyrics Mm Hmm. but maybe that you don't have to do the nina simone performance i'm saying a lot of shit that doesn't probably mean anything ultimately but at the end of the day i didn't really like the madeline eastman yeah well i think i think like we both agree uh, i'm trying to make away the lyrics like you there's there's not doing the the nina simone slash david bowie big vocals approach understandable but that doesn't mean throw it away that doesn't mean just like all right we gotta crank out these lines so that this can be wild is the wind like try something else with it yeah yeah certainly doesn't elevate it in any way yeah with that speaking of elevation let's talk about the best version alex best version all right so i think we know the two best versions of this song well yeah it's it's undoubtedly and it probably is a flip of the coin as to your personal preference yeah, so like which one it's... do you want to take i'll take the other one <laughs> um i'm i'll be woke and take nina simone all right you be woke take nina simone and take david bowie version and that covers it a fucking plastic soul ass little bitch <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am, I am yeah, with completely that, plastic. <laughs> Nothing about me means plastic. anything. That's right. With that, Alex, which version of this should they remake this film remake this in film. 2021, the year of our Lord, Wild as the Wind is coming back with its weird semi-incestual plot? <laughs> what what's what's the the opening title track? Who's got it? Honestly, pr- first of all, probably none of these. But if it's one of these, um, which one would it be? Which one? Would it be? So I will note that I believe yes. Esperanza Spalding had hers be in the trailer for a movie, and so did uh, Nina Simone. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. So they've got a little movie uh, work under their belts yeah. already. So the two, I think, would be Esperanza Spalding and, and Rosemary Stanley. I think those would be the two that would potentially be used in a remake. In like an opening credits sequence. Now, if there's enough people, you can use the Esperanza Spalding version. Um, also, it's the most modern feeling one. But if they're going for a mm. throwback thing, they've probably got to use the the Rosemary Stanley version. But then there's the the caveat is like there's those awkward bits, right? Which wouldn't really work that much for like opening credits. I don't think. But it might kind of like they go they go by fast enough that maybe you wouldn't notice. Um. But definitely the most modern sounding one and probably the most likely to be used 
uh, that's probably not true. The most modern sounding one is Esperanza Spalding, I think. And that's right. probably going to be it. But ultimately, they'd probably go with David Bowie just for the name recognition. Probably. Well, if they could get it, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, I think, dog, you got to give it to Shushu. It's, let's fucking, let's set some people up on some weird vibes right at the start. Wait, is it the one that would be used or the one that should be used? The one I'm going with should be used. Okay. All right. Then I'm going to stick with it because I already made my decision. But, would, uh, would that have changed it? What was your, what would be your other choice? I mean, you got to stick Shushu on the world. That's that. I think I think that's the option. Let's go on the attack with this this intro. Let's get some horns. Just fucking yeah, make people feel weird about it, but not yeah. in the slightly off-put way of the of the Rosemary Stanley version of like, wait, what? Yeah, let's crank the unease yeah. up here. The opposite of ASMR coming at you hard. Yeah, it's shushu all day, baby. And that's. Our final verdict, if you got a different opinion, if you got a similar opinion, or you want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, hit us so, up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at some Alex Wise guy, or you can email us, CoverMePod at gmail.com. Yes, CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, send us your questions, send us your concerns, suggestions, recommendations, feelings for the day. Reach out to us. I keep meaning to do this at the top of the episode instead, because let's face it, nobody listens this far in. They're all gone. They're true? gone. But we're so funny. We're hilarious. We're charming. All we're the delightful. They say the biggest factor in a successful podcast is having a winning personality, Alex. And it's looking like we don't have that. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're entering in the wrong contest. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. That said, rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Write a review. Tell us why you don't like us. And maybe we'll fix it. We're going to jump into our bonus segment where we're talking about the the musical that David Bowie participated in co-wrote <laughs> co-wrote he wrote the music for it yeah he has a writer credit but i don't know if that just means he wrote the music some of the songs in it were written for it though i think for it yeah by and large it's just stuff from yeah. his discography but Lazarus. There are it's called Lazarus it's called Lazarus <laughs> yeah, i have so much trouble with the name so Lazarus Lazarus I, I i hit the s wrong on the end i go Lazarus Lazarus um, Zareth. Yes, so it's a it's a, a musical. The songs are David Bowie songs. Some of them were, I believe, written for it, or at least taken off of his last album. Um, and some of them are on his like EP that followed that album. That's right. No Plan EP. Um, and it was streaming in the last couple of days and tonight. As yeah, well. we're in the we're in the three days stretch. We're we're recording on the the anniversary of the of the day david bowie passed away hey, his birthday true. of course two day prior on january 8th so they've been streaming uh the, the london original cast of lazarus which features michael c hall of dexter fame not dexter's laboratory fame dexter fame <laughs> uh, in in the role of uh thomas newton the alien so the play itself is a sequel to the man who fell to earth a novel which was then adapted into a film in which david bowie starred uh yeah that's your backstory that's your backstory alex what did you think of this um i think that a lot of the story was probably told like through themes and it ended up i missed out on a lot of it because the actual narrative itself is like he's in his he's in his apartment because he's a recluse and some guy comes by that he used to know and he's like wow you have a business partner because he's a big business guy. Business partner. Not Rip Torn. Business partner. Not Rip Torn. And then, like, 
he starts to see people and his housekeeper starts to fall in love with him. And there's also a murderer guy who's just killing people. Yeah. And then eventually the murderer convinces him to kill the the like little girl inside his head. And then yeah. she comes apparently back to Apparently that scene makes more sense. Because apparently there's some scenes missing. They cut some from this production. Oh. And so the same way, because one of his, I don't remember if this is in the original film, but he like sees, he has a sort of psychic quality. So he sees images of events occurring. Yeah. Does he like watch them through the TV? Because I remember yeah, that being TV, a lot of TV in the center there. Yes, in the that's correct. Movie, and they kind of keep that in this. There's actually a really cool setup, I think, of like the stage. Because there's Some a large like, LCD screen in the middle. Mm-hmm. center of the stage and then on the sides of that it's it's set up like like it's a wall like the back is a solid wall well with two windows i guess that's the outside like mm-hmm. the actual windows of his apartment uh but behind that is actually the band so you can see the band uh through the glass which is kind of cool and sometimes they'll go up to the glass and like smudge it with fingerprints yeah like, and glass. sometimes there will actually be scenes in that bandstand that's area true that's true side. they had they do because they have the microphones so you can hear them through the glass um yeah and the other thing they do is because it like takes place in the apartment but he sees things outside of the apartment uh mm-hmm. they project it onto the onto this the stage so like and it's actually very convincing, a very convincing effect, more so than I would have mm-hmm. imagined. Pro- probably because the walls are just beige. Um, yeah, so it's very easy to overlay the light yeah. on that. So, like, there's, there's a, that. Sorry. No, you go ahead. There's a scene in, like, a nightclub, and, like, they project a nightclub onto the walls, and it looks like a nightclub. And, and the screen in the middle is also part of it, too. So mm-hmm. there's some cool effects with that. Yeah, and there's that like psychotic scene where he uh, a version of him that's just being projected onto the apartment is running around like tearing down curtains. Yeah, which was very clothes. cool because it kind of looks like a hologram from the right angle. Yeah, so there's like two it was Michael very C. Halls. Cool. Um, also, a lot of the scenes will have like like he's watching them particularly early on. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll be like a black and white version on his like TV, which is the screen in the middle, and then the scenes being acted out on the stage around him as well that's right so there's some really cool effects with that Mm -hmm. yeah i think from a technical standpoint like the things they do with that stage space are really really cool Um, Um, oh also on the far right hand side there's like a a fridge which is his fridge which just has like gin in it because he just drinks gin all day but if it opens it's very bright light so they kind of add some more i guess diegetic light into the scene with that if they need that's to right sometimes leave that open so there's some and cool he also stuff has there. a little record player by the side there with a bunch of yeah, bowie albums bowie lined up and then which, one which song a, was a little like twee for me it was, it like, was. Oh, what, david bowie i'm uh, like ah oh, come on they he only plays it once though for um where are we now that's like the backing mm-hmm. track for him singing where are we now is i the actual backing track from where are we now yeah let's talk about the songs they use in this uh because a lot of them it feels like it was just like, well, there's a loose connection to what's going on here. We'll throw this one in. Yeah, like I said, it, it's probably more thematic because, like, like the the young girl who's like kind of his mm-hmm. invented daughter, like mind daughter. Yeah. Who keeps saying like, "I need to help you somehow," and then she's like, "We're gonna build a rocket," and then he stabs her kind of, and then she bleeds milk, and then she comes back to life, and they. Anyway. Well, yeah, I had to go back because I like my. HDMI like cut out because again my shitty MacBook I was streaming it from is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But 
so those there's the scene where the these other girls talk to the the white haired girl and they're like yeah. oh yeah you gotta like give him hope or whatever so like she had to give him hope but I think in the end he was his hope was her whereas she needed him to internalize it so in that sense he had to murder her to to be like oh, you can't rely on this other person who is maybe dead maybe not dead you have to you have to bring hope inwards right. Hope without her or whatever, I guess. Yeah. And then she can come back because you have the hope. Yeah, exactly. And and she's okay. and she's completed her life so she can live on in your brain or whatever the fuck. Let's Something. swim in some milk. Yeah. So yeah, it is what it, it much like the original movie, there's a lot of where where you're just like, huh? Wait, what? What the like, fuck? Like maybe it makes sense to someone and maybe if you like do a, a in depth analysis of the themes, you're like, okay, so like the plot doesn't necessarily support this, but the themes do. And particularly right. in the songs, because the songs don't really always fit like what's happening. Yeah. Like like the girl she sings Life on Mars, it's not because she's like disappointed with a movie she saw. Or yeah, it's not about capitalism for yeah. some reason. Um it's probably for some other reason that I didn't yeah but get. she still has to spit those lines because she like looks at michael c hall while she does it and right. she's like mickey mouse has grown up a cow and you're like that's not mickey mouse that's like, what, that's thomas what Newton. That you, you don't have any memories what what are you yeah, saying about just, mickey mouse I, I, so it's like we just have to kind of suspend belief and be like sure life on mars is about whatever's happening here yeah so and yeah, so, sometimes it works better than others. Uh, it's no game, which they use at the start to show when it's just one of his drunken binges. I think that played thematically well. It was like, oh yeah, it's a big chaotic number. He's saying a lot of nonsense that's also being said in Japanese. Right. Like, it's like, all right, yeah, sure. But yeah, Life on Mars. I don't know if it's just because we talked about it so recently, but I was like, eh, this is yeah, like what? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and like, I don't fully understand. Like, th there's a whole, a big part of the plot is this, this Valentine guy who's, like, a serial killer or something, trying yeah. to find him. But he's the guy who, like, tells him to kill this girl in his head, and can also see the girl in his head, but not at first. But other people can see Valentine, so that implies they're not in his head, but maybe everyone's yeah. in his head. Maybe that's the so, idea. So what I read is the scene is missing from this production that's in the, the, the original production. Okay. Where, because this one was original cast, but done a year after, because it came out in 2015. Yeah. Uh, wherein it's revealed that through, uh, like, the psychic connection that Thomas Newton has is not just one way. So okay. he's receiving images, but he's also projecting out his own just, like, mental anguish, essentially. Which I believe drives Valentine to murder people. Oh, and probably explains why I forget her name. His, like, housekeeper mm -hmm. goes a little crazy. Yeah, because that also seemed very abrupt. Yeah. Okay, but, that, so that's that makes apparently more sense. I missing. kind of figured that was part of it. Like, he was he had some weird effect on her, but I wasn't sure how it connected to Valentine. Yeah. And so apparently she just, also... Like, yeah, goes wild the... and then, like, dyes her hair. Um, and then changes back. So she must have had yeah, a wig it on it Yeah, was just point. a wig? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so. yeah, so, so, yeah. The only only uh, other thing I have to say about that is that I forgot what I was gonna say about Valentine. Um, yeah, about Valentine. So, and he's yeah, named he, Valentine, I, so they can sing Valentine. So we can sing Valentine. Right, yeah, so they, so they can piece. sing Valentine's Day. That's very. That's like uh, we will rock. You that's very we will rock point. you. Yeah, but but it's it's a more convincing name than Galileo Figaro. That's for damn sure, Alex. That is for damn sure. Uh, now, but it's, the, more apparently, a, it's more of a sad boy musical than. Uh, 
Yeah. It's much less of a, like, jerking off the 70s. Yeah. Then we will rock you. Yeah, so apparently the apartment is possibly supposed to represent the inside of Thomas Newton's head. So the two windows are his eyes. Oh, and then I, I guess, see. like, the center is him processing things. And then so just people kind of come in and out of his head. We, we see events outside from in, in, those, in those eye holes. Right, so, okay. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's ultimately there's a lot of confusion going on. Um, I'm not a big musical theater guy, so some things, just like theater performances, sometimes just rub me the wrong way. Right. It's very different from film performance, much less like it's, naturalistic. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but overall, I I thought it was worth worth the cost of admission. I yeah. enjoyed it. There are some interesting sort of renditions of the songs. They sound more. Like it's like old school Bowie done in more of like a late modern Bowie style, mm-hmm. um, just the way the band played them. So that was kind of cool. And like we said, technically very interesting to see a lot of the things they do. Yeah, a lot of the tricks. Like with one shot of Valentine again with the uh, the projection, they just project all this like black ink coming out of them. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah, I actually like like I was like whoa because he oh, was like, all in black child? and then like yeah. everything was white and then they project this image of like the ink shooting out around and that was a very cool shot. Yeah, very cool shot. So yeah, a lot of good like technical wizardry. Well, I think the visual. the performances are fine minus you know whatever hangups I have on theater. Right. Uh, and the the yeah the renditions themselves, some of them are interesting. It's very interesting to see. This is not America in in a musical because it's just such a like a song i don't think about very often no i didn't even know it ahead of time yeah so it's it's a very cool one um i and again the uh the young girl's performance her her vocals in particular give me like vietnam flashbacks to musical theater (laughs) which is not her fault but definitely not my style of vocals right yeah i'll I'll say ending on heroes worked but also feels a bit cheap Thing. Yeah, I mean, like, what what else do you end on? Jeez. What else do you end on? Uh, but yeah, overall, I think if you find a chance to, if you're Bowie head and you want to take a look at it, and if you've seen The Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, I watched it with Greta, and she had not seen The Man Who Fell to Earth, which I think made already what it was a tough experience to, like, get into even more difficult. She's like, well, who the... It doesn't even mention that he's an alien for, like, the first 20 minutes. That's true. And then later on, someone's like, hey, you came to Earth. And then he's like, how do you know that? Or something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's, so that's, it's, it's definitely, like, got that artsiness to it, where it might just be difficult to understand, but there might be something there, and I'm not sure yet. Yeah, and you, you never can be too sure. Um, yeah. Makes me want to watch The Man Who Fell to Earth again. Yeah. That's my final take on it. Alex, any, any closing statements on it? Not really. Um, it's confusing. Oh, yeah, um, and uh, Michael looks, C. Hall sounds like Bane. Sounds like Bane, yeah. Watch it for that, if nothing else. Watch it for that. Um, that's our bonus segment. If you've seen it, hit us up. Tell us your opinions of it. You know, come chat. And as we always say on Cover Me, you touch me. I hear the sound of Cover Me.